Good evening. We are thankful that you're here tonight. We hope that the time that we're together will be beneficial to the glory of God. We are looking at John chapter 13, the passage that Ethan read a moment ago. We appreciate so much the opportunity to study from God's Word. And tonight we're going to be talking about servanthood. And the theme of our lesson tonight, learning to be a servant talking about servanthood and demonstrating servanthood are quite different. You know, there are a lot of people that talk about serving others, and that's a good thing. But what does it mean to be a servant of the Lord? In John chapter 13, we have what I believe to be a very unusual circumstance. If you take John chapters 13 through 17, you have a period of time, that is, the Lord observing the Passover feast with His apostles, with His disciples. And He's going to be talking about some very important things concerning His departure and their work in the kingdom that would be established just a few days later on Pentecost Day. And so this is a unit And Jesus is specifically talking to His apostles. And one of the things that He's going to emphasize, beginning in chapter 13, is the importance of learning to be a servant. Why? Well, because these men would be His ambassadors, His special servants, in order for them to carry out the work that He would place upon their shoulders, they had to learn about serving one another, and not just one another, but serving in the kingdom of God. So in chapter 13, the Bible tells us that Jesus understood that His hour had come. The Lord came to earth with a very specific mission. That mission was to provide redemption for lost humanity. His ministry lasted some three years. His ministry is now coming to a close. Jesus understands that the hour would come that He would be lifted up, whereby He would draw all people unto Himself. So He does something something that we might perceive to be very unusual. He rises from the supper, takes a basin of water, and begins washing the disciples' feet. Now, by way of custom, it was not unusual for individuals to enter a home and there would be a basin of water and when guests came in, the host would wash their feet or a servant might wash their feet. Well, when the Lord and His disciples entered the upper room to observe the Passover feast, no one stooped to provide this menial task. And so Jesus rises from the supper, lays aside His garment, and begins washing the feet of the disciples. Now there are some things that I think stand out about this account and really help us to learn something about servanthood. The first thing has to do with the humility of a servant. Now these men had the opportunity to wash the feet of Jesus or to wash one another's feet, but no one did that. 
Jesus understanding that in order for them to be what they needed to be in His kingdom, they needed to know something about servanthood. Now you remember back in Matthew chapter 18, they had asked Jesus on one occasion, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? To understand that these men were jockeying for position in the kingdom of God. It meant something to them to get in on the ground floor, as we might say. So I want to just give you the setting here. Go back and look with, with me, if you would, to Luke 22. In Luke 22, we have really a little bit more material on the events that unfolded at this hour. Note, if you would, in verse 14, Luke 22. Luke said, when the hour had come, Jesus in John 13 talked about His hour having come. He was about to depart to the Father. When the hour had come, He sat down and the twelve apostles with Him. So in John chapters 13 through 17, those who were present with Jesus were the apostles. and That would include Judas Iscariot, who would ultimately betray Him. Then Jesus said, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then, of course, He institutes what we call the Lord's Supper, that memorial feast that would remind disciples of all ages of His death on Calvary, the body that was given and the blood that was shed. And Jesus said, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then in verses 21 through 23, he talks about the fact that Judas Iscariot would be the one that would ultimately betray him. Now look at verse 24. But there was also rivalry among them as to which of them should be considered the greatest. So now you have insight into the thinking of the apostles. They're interested in being somebody in the kingdom of God. They want to know who's going to be the greatest. They want greatness attached to their name. And so Jesus said, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And those who exercise authority over them are called benefactors. But not so among you. On the contrary... He who is greatest among you, let him be as the younger, and he who governs as he who serves. For who is greater, he who sits at the table or he who serves? Is it not he who sits at the table? Now listen to what Jesus said. Yet I am among you as the one who serves. Jesus is providing them with an object lesson about what it means to be one of His disciples. And so He is showing them the pathway to greatness in the kingdom is through servanthood. In verse 28, He said, But you are those who have continued with Me in My trials, and I bestow on you a kingdom, just as My Father bestowed upon Me, that you may eat and drink at My table in My kingdom." and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now I want to go back and also look at another passage. Go back with me if you would and look at Mark chapter 10. 
Note Mark 10. And again, more emphasis on this idea of greatness in the kingdom of God and servanthood. You remember James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they approached Jesus. And here's what they ask. Grant us that we may sit, verse, 20, verse 37, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. So they want a position of prominence and power in the coming kingdom. Now, granted, they misunderstood the spiritual nature of the kingdom. But again, they're jockeying for position. And what Jesus is going to emphasize to these men is that if you're going to be my disciples and engage in this task before you, you've got to learn to be humble. Humility is a prerequisite to the kingdom of God. And so with that in mind, look at verse 43. Jesus said, Yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be last of all. Look at verse 45. Jesus now speaks of Himself as the one who came to serve. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give His life a ransom for many. Go back and look at Mark 9. Here we have further amplification on this idea of greatness among those who were His apostles. Look at verse 33. The text tells us that Jesus is in Capernaum. When He was in the house, He asked them, What was it? You disputed or discussed among yourselves on the road. Verse 34, Mark said, but they kept silent. For on the road they had disputed or discussed among themselves who would be the greatest. There it is. That's what they're interested in. So having said that, let's look again at John 13. Jesus, in the shadow of the cross does something extraordinary. He washes the disciples' feet in an effort to purge them, to cleanse them of their pride, of their desire for eminence or preeminence in the kingdom of God. Now you remember when the Lord got to Peter, Peter rebuffed him, and yet the Lord, of course, said to him, note if you would, look at verse 6. Peter said, Lord, are you washing my feet? And Jesus said, what I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Peter, of course, then says to him, Lord, not my, or rather, Peter says, if I do not, Jesus said, if I do not wash you, you had no part with me. And Peter said, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said, He who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. Talking about Judas Iscariot. Now having said that, I want to drop down and note with you a couple of passages, and then we're going to make some application. Look at verse 12. Jesus asked this question. Do you understand what I have done to you? In other words, do you understand the significance of this act 
of servanthood. He said, you call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. He said, if I then, being Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. If you know these things, happy are you if you do them. So you have insight into the humility of a servant, the heart of a servant. That would be Jesus who demonstrated servanthood before them. He came to serve. Then you have the hands of a servant, the Lord Jesus in a very practical way, washing their feet, showing by way of example the importance of serving. And then the happiness of accomplishing the task. So, that being said, what's so important about those of us who belong to the body of Christ tonight to be servants? Why is it that the Lord needs us to view ourselves as servants? What's necessary for us to accomplish His work? I think there's some things that would emanate out of this text. Number one, to understand something about the importance of self-denial. That is the very foundation and heart of being a servant of Jesus, isn't it? Listen to what Jesus said, Matthew 16. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. These men on this occasion were not willing to stoop to such a menial task, were they? Rather than being selfless, they were, as we might say, self-centered. And so, to know that to be a disciple of Christ means that we're willing to deny ourselves so that we might better serve the Lord. I want you to think about what Paul said in Philippians chapter 2. Have this mind in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, counted not being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Now listen to what he says. Taking the form of a what? Servant. Jesus came to serve. And what Jesus is saying to these men is this. If you're going to accomplish great things in the kingdom of God, and Pentecost is just a few days away, and the church is going to be up and running, these men have got to lose this attitude of pride, this desire for preeminence or greatness in the kingdom of God. They've got to lose themselves in service to God. Now there's a second thing. It has to do with the submission of a servant. Now look again at Jesus. Jesus came subjugating His will to the Father's will, didn't He? I mean, everything that He did pointed to Calvary. And so here's the Lord Jesus Christ striving to the best of His ability to please the Father. matter of fact, Jesus would say in John chapter 8 on one occasion, I always do those things that please Him. Jesus would say over in chapter 17, 
I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you've given me to do. The Lord Jesus was submissive. Matter of fact, just a few days, just a little bit later, He's going to go to Gethsemane. And in the garden, bow in the presence of the Father and pray three times, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but your will be done. Your will be accomplished. When the Lord rebuffed Peter because he didn't want the Lord to wash him, in effect, what Peter needed to understand was, you need to submit to me. You need to submit your heart, your life to me. Now there's a third thing I think that stands out. It has to do with preparation. The Lord is preparing these men to do what? To do great things in the kingdom, isn't He? But in order for them to accomplish the great things that He has before them, they have to learn something about serving. And it begins with sometimes the most menial task. You think maybe they, in their heart of hearts, thought they were too good to stoop down and wash someone's feet? You remember the lady that anointed Jesus, took that alabaster flask and broke it, and anointed Jesus and began washing Him? Why'd she do that? Because she wanted to serve the Lord. And so, if we're going to be servants of God, we have to make preparation. Now you think about how you can contribute to the cause of Christ. And there are things that you can do to prepare yourself to serve in the kingdom. And the first thing is humility. I think there's another thought here, and that is teamwork. These guys were going to have to work as a unit, weren't they? Now the Bible talks about how the church is the body. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul, as you well know, compares the spiritual body of Christ to the human body. And there are many members making up the human body, just as there are many members that make up the body of Christ. Just one body, but many members. If the body is going to work, it's got to work in harmony, doesn't it? These men had a common cause that they were involved in. What was that common cause? To advance the cause of Christ. Before Jesus ascended to heaven, He gave the marching orders... Go therefore make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. So they're going to have to work together. They're going to have to do everything within their power to be on the same page, aren't they? They're preaching the same message. They're serving the same Lord. Their goal, their aim is exactly the same. And what is that? To broaden the borders of the kingdom of God. And so it would take teamwork. I think you can go back and look at the account of the Lord Jesus calling the sons of Zebedee, James and John, and Peter and Andrew and others. He's bringing 
men from varying backgrounds together and blending those men together, and they've got to, they have got to learn to function as a unit, to work in tandem, in one. Don't you think it's interesting that in John 17, Jesus prayed for unity among all those that would believe on Him through their word, that is, through the words of the apostles? Why would He stress unity among them and unity among believers? Because if there is division in the body of Christ, then the work is hampered, isn't it? Didn't Jesus say a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand? And didn't the Lord say a house divided against itself, that house can't stand? So everybody's got to be on the same page. So there has to be this heart of humility. There has to be this desire to make preparation to serve the Lord. And I would say this as well. There has to be a willingness to learn. That is fundamental. Look again at John chapter 13. Listen to what Jesus said. Again, picking up in verse 13. He said, you call me teacher and Lord. And you say, well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Do you not think he's trying to teach them something? He's saying, you need to learn the lesson intended on this occasion. Now, I've said this before, and I want to say it again. I think there are many, many occasions when we come together and we hear the message, but we don't hear it. We see it, but we don't see it. And sometimes it might be the case that we're not making personal application. If you're here and you're a child of God, it applies to you. doesn't matter who it might be, male or female, young, old. We're all Christians, aren't we? And there are always lessons intended for our betterment. What Jesus is trying to do is better these men. But for them to be a servant, they've got to learn how to be a servant. They've got to be willing, open to learning. You want to be a great teacher in the kingdom of God? You want to be able to sit down and teach somebody what God's Word has to say? Then you've got to be willing to learn. You can't teach what you don't know. And so if we're going to be effective one-on-one -on -one or before a group of people, we've got to know what the Bible has to say, don't we? And so these men, they're still in school. Remember this morning in Acts chapter 4? We looked at Acts 4.13. The Bible talks about how the Sanhedrin Council, they recognized that these men were untrained, unlearned. Well, they didn't go to some rabbinical school. They hadn't been privileged to sit at the feet of a Gamaliel. But let me tell you what, they sat at the feet of Jesus for three, three and a half years. And the Lord Jesus, in the waning hours of His life, is still doing what? He's still teaching. Why? Because they need to learn this lesson. And when it comes to the kingdom of God, it's not about position. It's not about preeminence or prominence in the kingdom. It's about what can I do? Do you remember Isaiah? 
When the question was asked, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? What was it Isaiah said? Here am I, send me. Which leads to another thought. A servant is willing to do whatever is necessary, whenever it's necessary, and wherever it's necessary. No stipulations here. Are we willing to do what we can, when we can, where we can, as long as we can, for the glory of God? Now you can answer that. I can't answer that for you, but you can answer it. To be willing to do whatever is needed. You know, I think sometimes the tendency is to wait and hope maybe that someone will point us in the direction of a service. I think it's good to have organization. I think it's, matter of fact, I think it's necessary to have organization and connection. We've got to be connected. But it might be the case that there are things that you see that need to be done, could be done, should be done. Just do it. I want to say this. I appreciate those of you that are serving. Some of you are serving on a daily basis. It's not about the glory. It's not about a pat on the back, but you're just going about humbly serving the Lord. That's what it's all about. And I appreciate that. There are some who, some of us, who maybe could do more in the kingdom of God. But we've got to be willing to relinquish self to serve the Lord. You know, a hundred years from now, a lot of things that maybe are important to us today won't be so important then. All that will really matter a hundred years from now, were we serving the Lord? Now go back and look at Matthew chapter 25. And again, you think about Jesus coming to the close of His ministry. And Jesus turns to those on His right hand, and what was it He said? You remember? I was hungry, and what would you do? You gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and what would you do? You gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. Sick and in prison, and what would you do? You came to me. And the response was, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked, sick and in prison, and come to you. Jesus said, Inasmuch as you did it unto one of these least of my disciples, you did it unto me. We have to have a heart for service. We are God's hands. We are God's mouth. We are His eyes. We are His feet. If the work of the kingdom is going to get done, it's going to get done by each and every one of us. We all have a part to play. Whatever our role might be, the, the, the goal ought to be to do it to the best of our ability. What was it the record said many years ago? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. I want to ask you a question tonight. When you look at the life of Jesus... What do you see?
More than anything else, I see someone who came to serve the human family. What is it the Lord needs tonight more than anything else? He needs servants who are willing and able to do what they can in His kingdom. It begins with us. You know, Christianity, sometimes the Bible uses metaphors about warfare. And we are the Lord's army, and it is a volunteer army, isn't it? And so, if the work is going to get done, then we've got to assume responsibility. Bearing in mind that if we fail in that endeavor, and go back again and look at Matthew 25. We're not talking about going into a foreign country and reaching the lost. We're not talking about becoming some great teacher, preacher, whatever. No, we're talking about somebody who is willing to provide a meal, a glass of water, to take someone in, to close someone, to visit someone. These are the marks of a servant. So what's it going to take? I want to share with you two verses. Look over, if you would, to the book of 2 Corinthians. When we talk about learning to serve, note, if you would, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. There are two verses I want to share with you in closing. Note first what the text says in verse 5. Paul said, they first gave themselves to the Lord. If we're going to be a servant of God, we have got to give ourselves to the Lord. Lock, stock, and barrel. Why? Because He owns us, doesn't He? We belong to Him. Then the second verse, drop down, look at verse 12. In verse 12, Paul said, if there is first a willing mind. Now you take those two passages and put them together. Here's somebody that has given himself, herself to the Lord in their entirety. And then here's somebody who has a willing mind. They're sitting on go, ready to serve. Let me tell you what, that's the heart of a servant right there. And so I ask you, do you have the heart of a servant? Are you willing to do what you can in this community? Understanding that God will hold us accountable as stewards when it comes to this work. Are we up to the challenge? Are we willing to serve in whatever capacity we can? I would hope and pray so. Let's pray. Our Father, we are so thankful for our blessings in this life. We thank you for Jesus who demonstrated servanthood. And we're thankful for his willingness to show us what it 
truly means to be a servant. And Father, we pray that we might become more effective servants of yours, that we might have a desire to serve, that we would give ourselves to you, and that we, that we might have a willing mind to do whatever we can to advance your cause in this community. We thank you for the church here. We thank you for every member. And for those who are working and laboring and doing all that they can on your behalf, we thank you. And Father, we pray that we might all do our part so that we might bring you the honor and glory that you so richly deserve. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I want to close with Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The work of a servant is about glorifying God. If you're here tonight and you're not a member of the body of Christ and you'd like to become a Christian, what would you need to do? Well, you need to believe Jesus to be the Son of God. Repent of all your sins, confess His name, and then be immersed in water so that all your sins might be washed away. The blood's what washes away your sins. God will put you in the church, that is, the community of the saved. Then, once you're in the church, you can begin serving the Lord. Serve Him, live for Him day in, day out, and one day you'll hear Him say to you, Well done, good and faithful servant. If you're here tonight, maybe your life's not what it ought to be, you want the presence of the church, could we pray with you and for you as we stand and sing?